Hello, and welcome to the episode of Life is Telling. Your host, Ted Harris, by right with my loving sister, Bates Lindsay. Hello, I'm Lindsay. I am Ted's loving sister. And to my left is, is our is our dog, Simone. Simone she is like our, our She is our solid partner. Hopefully. I don't know. Actually, well, she's taking a nap, so she's definitely our silent partner today. Uh-huh. So, the other day, we went to the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and we saw the, the Matisse quick, Ted, exhibit. Hey, Ted, real quick. What kind of podcast is this? This podcast is where we talk about my adventures, and Hollywood news, and Muppet news, and autism news, what's well, like the autistic. Thing. And that's great. That is awesome. Uh-huh. So, the other day, we went to the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and we saw, saw the, the Henri Matisse exhibit. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, Henri Matisse was an artist... He's a painter, a sculptor. He did a lot, of, a lot of the art in the 1930s. He also did the art for the Barnes Association. The Barnes Foundation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Basically, when we got there, it seemed that everybody over the age of 40 decided to show up that day. Oh, yes. Basically, the art, basically, line stretched all the way to the Precious Gallery. Basically, it's serpentine and serpentine and serpentine and serpentine. All through the Great Hall? All through the Great Hall. The, it took about. About three minutes to get through. Actually, it took 40 minutes. I know. Because we were waiting in line and I checked my watch. I know. So we saw the artists of it and... Wait a minute, what's going on? Like this? Yeah. Oh, this is just another flashback. Oh, well. So we saw the artists of it and... So, on today's episode of Life in the Ted Lane, where are we, Ted? The Philadelphia Art Museum. Specifically where? At the main gallery. We're in the main hall. Uh, what do we see here, Ted? What's above us? We see a lot of tapestries and all that. High ceilings. The Mobile by Calder. Is that a, yeah, that is an Alexander Calder, isn't it? And left is, left is, the, is the statue. We are in line. Right? We're in line. We're going to see the Matisse exhibit. Uh-huh. This is art done by Matisse but in the 1930s. Mm-hmm. You know, this is when he was living in France and all that. He also did a mural for the Barnes Foundation. Mm-hmm. And did many, many paintings and all that. Yep. This is quite amazing. The Great Hall of the Philadelphia Museum of Art is about three stories high, looks like, maybe four yep. stories. Um, uh, it's all sort of like a beige marble kind of thing with a giant staircase in the middle. And what's at the top of the staircase, Ted? A gold statue that shows the goddess of the hunt. Yep. And it's a very interesting room. But we'll find out some more about the history and include it maybe for everybody, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, and we're almost there. We're almost to the Matisse exhibit. Yep. So I think we have to stop recording. Yes. Okay. Tell everybody where we are right now. We're in a cafe at the Philadelphia Art Museum. Mm-hmm. So, 
I am trying to eat a um, spinach and feta croissant, which is delicious, might I add. Um, and it should be for about the same price of a senior movie ticket. Oh boy. Ted, can you describe the room around here? Uh, stone, high ceilings, glass ceilings. I can see the window. Mm -hmm. I can see the glory of the Lord. Uh, right now it's like a tumble. This place is turned like to a big ant farm or something like that. I remember the days when, when I used to come here with Dave. It's easier access getting around and all that. Remember when we were kids and all that? It was easier access to get around before they try redesigned it. It's like trying to navigate around a big ant farm. Tell me more. Uh, all these stairs and all that going up and down, up and down, up and down. Let's get my nerves, get my legs. This gave me quite a workout, just get around. How tired are you on a scale of one to 10? I am so tired and we're gonna do this. Teddy, would, do you want us to get, to have to leave the art museum for bad reasons again? No. That's kind of what I thought. Okay, so this room is probably the worst possible room to record in ever because it's echoey, but on the other hand, we're sitting down and that's what's important because we have been on our feet for, hmm, let me see. Here, Ted, I need you to hold this. Uh, hold it just like that, very good, excellent. I feel like I dodged a hundred zombies. You have specifically dodged, um, Ted, explain to everybody at home what, it mean, what dodging zombies means. It means if you walk for 20 minutes, it's like you, you yeah. dodge a zombie. Ted Harris, you have successfully walked from 12 noon or shortly before 12 noon, so like 11.55 until 1.40. Wow. So that is five zombies. Wow. You dodged five zombies today so far. Wow. Wow. A hamburger would taste good right now. A hamburger would be amazing right now. Um... I wonder if this is actually picking us up or if it just sounds like mud. Wow. Well, just earlier we heard this bright unearthly noise and all that. What was it? It sounded like, sound like drums and all that and some kind of weird choir. It sounded like a steamroller trying to meet with a, with a tango hammer and a, and a steam shovel. Yeah, but you saw what it was. It was a movie Yeah. in a cavernous room. Yes. Yes because multimedia and film are part of the art that they support here at the Philadelphia Museum of Art. I know. So, Ted. Everywhere you look, there's movie screens. So, when our original plan was we bought tickets for the Matisse in the 1930s exhibit, right, Ted? Yeah. Yeah. And we had timed tickets for 12 noon. Yes. So, tell everybody at home what happened when we got here. We got here and we realized how long the line was. How long was it? It was a line stretching all the way to Terre Haute. We were at the ends of it. 
how long did it, how far did it really go? It went from the modern art room yep. down the hall. We yep. saw some interesting paintings along the way. Mm -hmm. And around the stairwell and around again across. And we saw. Actually, let me be more specific. It went from the exhibition room across the great hall. It sort of went back and forth like it serpentined a couple times on one side of the great hall. Then it went across the Great Hall. It serpentined a couple more times on the other side of the Great Hall staircase. And then it went all the way down to, um, let me check. It went all the way to European art, 1850 to 1900 impressionism. Wow. Yeah, that was uh, section number 260. Wow. Yep. Um, so we did get to see some very nice art, and it was good to see, you know, I think it was good for us to see the art that came right before Matisse, mm -hmm. because all that art from 1850 to 1900 is what would have influenced him mm -hmm. before he became known as an artist. Yep. Yep. So what did we learn... While we were waiting in line, they gave us a thing, a piece of paper. We know he paid a, a mural for the barns and all that. Yeah, but what do we know before the 1930s? What do we know about him? How was he in 1928? Oh. What did they say about him? He said he was very fun-loving. But he was influenced by Van Gogh. Well, he also was depressed in 1928 because he was sort of creatively stuck, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So what happened? The Philadelphia Museum of Barnes Association. Right, he was invited to Pittsburgh to judge a competition, I think, for the Carnegie's or something. I'm not yeah, exactly the Carnegie sure. Corporation, New York. Is that what it said? I yeah. don't remember. Okay, we'll have to look it up. And then, so what happened on his way to Pittsburgh? He was asked by the Barnes Association to pay a mural. Yep. So Mr. Barnes, or Dr. Barnes, excuse me, Dr. Barnes said, hey, why don't you come over to my house and paint some murals for me? Mm-hmm. And basically he, he painted a mural, went up and down lost stairs. It took at least quite a while to, well, to paint the mural. Yep. It was like we three... Can, we can learn some more about it when we have better sound. And yeah. talk about it in detail. Um... Boy, am I tired. You're not the only one. Yeah, so we were in line for at least half an hour. Uh, and guess how long we were in the... How did you feel while we were in the exhibition? Uh, it was crowded, noisy, hard to navigate. Basically, you have to come here with the Sharps attack, Libra's a lumberjack, Libra's contortionist, and good physical shape. Yeah. So, did we get, do you feel like we got to see the art? I felt we saw some art, but a lot of people were getting in the way. It was like trying to navigate around a bunch of boulders. They're like, like Donkey Kong or something like that. Like a Pac-Man maze. This place is like a Pac-Man maze. You know something? Do you remember when we came here to see the Dali exhibit? Yeah. 
You remember how we had headphones? Yeah, they didn't have headphones. I did you enjoy it more with the headphones? Yeah. I sure as heck did too. I really enjoyed it much better with the headphones of the tour because it was easier to understand everything. Yeah. If they had a podcast, I would greatly appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe they do have a podcast. I don't know. But if there were a podcast that I could listen to while I was walking around, that would be cool. All right. What do you think? I think so too. They need a podcast. They could get some famous people to narrate it. Well, even if it just explained the, even if it just explained the the paintings and stuff, because we couldn't really get close enough to read them. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like there's another movie playing. Maybe that movie started over again. Maybe. flashback. I yeah. know. I should get a flight paper for making these trips. Don't you agree? Uh, well, I don't know, Ted. So, we saw a lot of the art and all that. I couldn't get close to see the art. Yeah, it was hard to get close to anything. I couldn't study the art. So, Henri Matisse was at the Field of Museum Art. He was doing friends in 1930 and did a mural for the Barnes Foundation in Philadelphia. This is Laura Marion. What kind of mural? What did it look like? What, can you remember? Tell everybody what kind of mural it was. Basically, it was a lot, a lot of dancers and all that dancing. Mm-hmm. Basically, it's a, a very big mural. You should see it sometime. He painted photos of art. It was painted like a lot of animal. It's a broad colors, a bright, broad strokes. It was very exhausting to navigate the museum. It was very exhausting for you, I remember. You were, I know. It's hard were, to navigate through. You were very tired. So basically, what, what would be some ways that you think that the museum could be easier to deal with? Basically, when there's an art exhibit in Philadelphia, you say yes. And basically, the whole place was mobbed. We went to the cafe and all that, but basically, there were seeing people in the cafeterias, and one woman was complaining because she didn't have a place to sit. Mm-hmm. And she was complaining, and basically, we left, went down to the basement to the coffee area. We each had a spaghetti a drink, and then we went well, upstairs. We, we each had, what did we have, Ted? Can a spinach croissant. A spinach and, croissant, okay. And, and drink. Mm-hmm. Then we went up the elevator because I didn't trust the stairs and all that. Mm-hmm. So she, basically, whoever... Wait, wait a minute, Ted, I, I'm curious. Why is it that you don't trust the stairs? Because they were very shaky and wobbly. Whoever designed it obviously saw Rocky one twenty times. Okay. Um, do you mean the curving staircase in the new Frank Gehry designed wing of the Philadelphia Museum of Art that everybody talks about being so beautiful and exciting? Yeah. And you don't trust it? Well, it was okay. It's Some of it is glass and some of it is wood. Mm-hmm. So can you tell me what how that staircase makes you feel? Well, having to go up and down and all that. All the up and down and all that. We did have time... To see a lot of the galleries and all that. We didn't have time to see any of the galleries because we were waiting for so long. Yeah. Um, But you know what? I think that one of the things that we learned from this experience 
is that when there's a big deal special exhibit, we should go and see it right away when it first opens instead or make a point of seeing it as soon as we can instead of waiting until the very end because it was about a week before the exhibit closed and went to Paris. So I think that's a good reason for us to, you know, go early. If there's a special exhibit in Philadelphia, you say yes! Yeah, that's a good answer, Ted, but you don't have to shout. All right. Greatest Guild America's contract set to expire on May 1st. It's likely that both Greatest Guild America and Director's Guild may, may strike at the same time. Okay. Ted, can you say that again, but this time can you enunciate more? Wait. Okay. Broadway and Hollywood News. There are labor tensions in Hollywood. The Directors Guild of America informed members Saturday that it is decided to hold off on bargaining a new contract with the bigger studios until later this spring, saying the studios are not yet ready to address its major issues. The Writers Guild of America contract is set to expire on May 1st, so it is possible that both the Writers Guild of America and Directors Guild of Philadelphia well, may strike at the same time. So what was the, what, what, what publication did we read that in? Friday.com. Yeah. So, um, what it would mean though, Ted, do you remember the last time there was a Writers Guild strike? No, I don't. Okay. The last time there was a Writers Guild strike, do you remember, um, Dr. Herbal's sing-along that Neil Patrick Harris did with yeah. Alicia Day? Okay. So that was a project that was written during the writer's strike because new TV shows couldn't come out. Oh. And there were a lot of reality shows came out because they didn't have a credited writer. So if there is a director's strike and a writer's strike, what do you think will happen? Basically, there's a lot, a lot of turmoil in Hollywood. Maybe people will start listening to independent podcasts like ours. Oh, boy. Hmm. Independent podcast. Yay. Well, okay. far too many people are interested in what's on television good the theater. Yeah. Okay, so, Ted, um, that is our Hollywood news. Okay. Well. Want me to help you with that? Okay. So, anyway, I have a major bummer bulletin. Major from... bummer bulletin. Floyd Morissette was a co-creator of Sesame Workshop. At the classic children's show, Sesame Street. That's great, Ted. Why are you bringing him up today? Because he, cause he passed away recently. He was 98. 93. 93. Lloyd Morissette was a psychologist. He had a background in experimental psychology. In the 1960s, he noticed that his three-year-old daughter was fascinated with commercials, especially the jingles, that she could easily memorize commercial jingles. She was just three years old. So he met Joan Gantz Cooney at their party and they talked about the possibility of a TV show that could use the same type of style of commercial jingles to teach kids the basis of education before they go to kindergarten. And he was able to secure funding from the Carnegie Foundation and the Ford Foundation and the work with Joan Gantz Cooney that started the Children's Health Workshop at Sesame Street and the Electric Company. When he passed away, he was 93. 93 years old, so he had a long, wonderful, productive, viable life. He left behind 
a legacy of accomplishments yep. that will be treasured for generations. Yep. He also, if it weren't for Lloyd Morissette and Joan Gans Cooney, we wouldn't have Big Bird or who else, Ted? Cookie Monster or mm -hmm. Kermit or Oscar the Grouch. Yep. And he helped all of us learn to sing. One, One, two, three, four, four five, six, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten eleven, twelve. And now we come to autism news. Autism news. According to a recent article for USA Today, legal and parts are becoming more autism friendly. Now they're going to be certified autism friendly theme park set. It's great. The first one I remember was Borgersport Wonderland in San Antonio, Texas. If what we'll learn about Morgan's Wonderland, we'll include a link in the show notes. Yep, we'll talk about Morgan's Wonderland a little bit more in a minute. But um, what are the other theme parks that you know about that are autism friendly? Another one I remember is Sesame Place in Lakehorn, Pennsylvania. They're just outside of Philadelphia. And mm -hmm. Sesame Place in Southern California is also autism friendly. And also Disney has some autism friendly services for people with autism. Mm-hmm. When Alicia and so, I went to wait a minute, Ted, pause for a moment. Okay. Um, so what happened, you and I went to the Legoland Discovery Center in Plymouth Meeting once, right? Yeah. And what happened when we went there? We asked if we could ride the ride and asked if we have a child with us. Wait a minute. Who asked us? What did they the say? The attendant asked if we had a child with us. I said it was just us. He said, sorry, we had to be with a child. And... Lindsay said, I have autism. Um, I said, oh, well, you can take as much time as you want. Yeah. But we also decided at the time, I think we decided, because they were going to close soon. Wasn't that like they were getting close to closing for the day? Yeah. And they said that you really want to go when you have at least two hours to spend there. Yep. Yeah. So we decided that we would go another time. Yep. Yeah. Um, but... So what are what kind of resources are these places like Legoland going to have for autistic people, Ted? They're going to have quiet rooms for people when the noise gets too intense and mm -hmm. sensory friendly days. Mm -hmm. No ballyhoo and they're going to have quiet rooms when noise gets too intense and sensory areas. They're going to There's a Ferrari build and race ride, right? To, yeah, they're gonna take a Ferrari race ride. They're going to turn out all the noises. Bright lights, flashlights, and they're going to request earplugs for people with with, with sensory friendly problems. Yeah, if, for people who things get too loud, you can ask for earplugs. The one thing that they didn't talk about is will Legoland and other theme parks be open to have resources available for autistic adults? Because autistic children who have problems. You know they don't stick out as much as autistic adults, right? And, and they're not as noticeable. It'd be nice to know what kind of resources these places will have for autistic adults. Right, exactly. So, um, I think it's interesting. You told me for the first time today about Morgan's Wonderland. Yes. What is Morgan's Wonderland, Ted? Morgan's Wonderland is a amusement park started by 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 a father who has an autistic daughter. And basically, this is for a place where people with sensory issues or intellectual issues can play. He said that she was at a public swimming pool and she was playing and there were other kids that were sort of staying away from her. 
She doesn't like it. She was sad. Yeah. And what did he want to create? He wanted to create a place for, where autistic adults could play. Yeah. Well, where people who have different kinds of challenges can be they blend accepted. in. Exactly. Where they're accepted and they can have fun. All right. Yeah. We'll include a link to Morgan's Wonderland in the show notes. Yep. And you know what, Ted? Um, when we were, I think one of the things that's sort of coming up today a lot is about navigation and respect, right? Yes. And because when we went to the Matisse exhibit, we got there on time. Mm-hmm. And what happened, everybody was very nice to us. Yes. But it was still, how did you feel when we we walked in and we had to... I was surprised to see those uh, that giant crowd. Me too. And why they had us at the end of the line. Yep. And how did you feel when it was happening? Well, they said the line was moving fast. Mm-hmm. Basically did not do good to take chances. I was mm-hmm. worried it would, would flip out. And there'd be be chaos, but I kept my cool. When did you feel like you were worried you you would flip out? Because it was very, very loud and all that. Uh Uh-huh. I thought you were the perfect gentleman. Yep. Like a knight in shining armor. You were. You were being the perfect gentleman, and I was very proud of you. You were the most pleasant person to go to the museum with that day. Mm Mm-hmm. But what was happening on the inside for you? Well, I was... I was, basically, was, I was nervous, was, was scared, mm-hmm. a little mad. Mm-hmm. How did you feel once we finally got into the exhibit? We finally got in, and basically, it was hard to navigate. Mm-hmm. So the uh, exhibit was very crowded, mm-hmm. and I couldn't study the art because they had to stand about 18 feet because of the incident in Europe. Well, it was 18 inches away. We had to be 18, 18 inches away. away. We had to stay 18 inches away because there was an incident in Europe for artists. What happened? What was the incident in Europe? Basically, a lot of, a lot of artists were being condemned and all that. It was because of the soup incident, right? Yeah. Yeah. Somebody threw soup at a, a famous painting. I think they threw soup on Van Gogh's wildflowers or uh, sunflowers or something. We have to look it up. Mm-hmm. We'll put a link in the show notes, right? Yep. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I I felt like we didn't get to see very much. We did. We got to see it. We just didn't get to really enjoy it. Yeah, it was hard to enjoy it. Well, what can you do? Well, what can you do, Ted? What would be some things that you could do that would make it better? Well, so go early. Go early. And don't don't settle for eleven o'clock because that's because that's when people are hungry. Basically, go at first when the museum opens. Yeah, another thing that we could have done, Ted. Was do you remember we had time tickets? Well, they did have time tickets, but we we had a time ticket. But the other thing that we could have done, Ted, is is we could have eaten before we got to the museum. Mm-hmm. I think you ate and I didn't, or something like that. What was it that that happened? We were so excited, we were so excited that we didn't eat before we left, and that was dumb. Yeah. Um. And what else could we have done that would? Do you think that go you, when they first open? 
Do you think it would have been a good idea if you wore headphones? On my noises. Okay. I just want to make sure about that. Well, noises don't bother me. That is most noises. What kind of noises do bother you? Well, I'm fine. So, I think we should wrap this up now. Okay. Um, is there, what are our plans for the next, um, what are our plans for the next few weeks? Oh, you know what? Wait a minute. Oh, pause. Sorry. So, the next show, we're going to be talking about Tiki Mom Thompson's song for a birthday lunch. And we'll talk, I'm starting Fear Horizon and Playwright Class again in Orange Yeah, Town. that's exciting, Ted. Because they have their autism drug program for kids, also people with autism. Well, for kids and adults with autism, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Reese is the art director, community coordinator for Theory Horizon for both on the Clary Clarkson show because Clary Clarkson said that the autism program is one of her things that she likes, that she got pot pens to give money to Theory Horizon so that more people take classes there. They'll also talk about going to Theory Horizon. Hey, Ted, uh, Ted, also Ted, you're not making any sense at all, honey. You really have to enunciate. Okay, look. How do you feel about Theater Horizon, Ted? I think it's all worth it. I think it's definitely worth going to. Yeah. And as if it's worth going to, it's basically have a lot of programs for people with autism. So what do you like about going there? Um, I get to write my plays, all that. You get to be showcased. Yep, and you also, what do you think about the teachers there? The teachers are very nice and friendly. And what do you think about the other, about um, being with other students? I like to see other people with with autism there. Okay. I get to write my plays there. I'll also be talking about my experience at the Academy of Natural Sciences. Oh, um, yeah. I got to go there with the other day with Randall. But the dinosaurs were amazing. Those are some pretty good adventures. Yeah. Well, that's it pretty much for now. I'm Ted Harris, 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 Duncan. And this is Lizzie Harris of Sixthly Productions. Hello, I'm Lizzie Harris of Sixthly Lizzie Harris Real. Lizzie Harris Real. Yeah. Alright. So, so, we hope you see Vegas and Tom. And we see Craig Friends and Vegas. I hope some people like you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank And so, we see you plus Carl. Or, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Life the Ted Lady's host by me, Ted Harris. Well, my sister, Lizzie Harris Real. This is called Backyard Party. Our podcast is provided by the podcasthost.com and all to Podcast Baker. Find your own free podcast music over at podcasthost.com slash free music. This podcast was recorded and edited by me, Ted Harris. I also edited a transcript. Had a little help my sister. For more information, please visit our website. 663productions.com